And now, from Grid Square Echo Mike 48, this is 100 Watts and a Wire. Okie dokie, good morning everybody. It's Christian, welcome to 100 Watts and a Wire, and uh, good Saturday morning to you. Don't want to frighten the children, you may want them to look away. <laughs> I've been hit across the head. I had a fell tree I was working on this week, and it, it got the best of me in parts there, so... Look away, I'm hideous. Good morning, Steve. <laughs> morning, Christian. Uh, so we got uh, big fun happening today, I think. I don't know much about ham radio and ballooning, but I'm fascinated with the fact that it you can send a balloon up and it can go hundreds of miles. And being the uh, father of two young people, I, uh, the STEM and the STEAM programs are so important to my wife and I as we look for the future. And I think this is a really good thing for me to get to know about anyway. So mm-hmm. as with most things, ham radio, I kind of get into it when I get to it. You know what I mean? That's why uh, people say, do you, do you watch all the YouTube, ham ham radio, YouTube? It's, I don't think I could, any, any one person could really consume that much content, which is a great thing. There's a lot out there for people who are looking, but I look for it if I'm trying to build an off-center fed dipole. If I'm trying to build, I'm trying to learn about, it's kind of how it goes for me. So right now, I'm going to learn about these balloon launches. And we got oh, the guy here. awesome. We've yeah, got the guy. I've watched a few of those, and they're just great. In fact, uh, they even make it around the world. And that's just incredible. And, uh, yeah, to watch the videos of the launching and uh, the retrieving, and uh, it's it's cool. It's really, really cool. So Yeah, I have so many questions. We have Bill is going to be with us in, in just a couple of minutes. Uh, in 2017, the May edition of QST, they referred to him as the master of high-altitude balloon projects. The master. Nice. The master. So we got, We've got the we master got the here. We've got to get the chi and the, <laughs> the whatever is right. i got some incense burning. He'll just say, "Shut up! Stop talking." Yes, transmitter from my (laughs) from my palm. It's time for you to leave, grasshopper. Yeah, yeah, that's what we're gonna do. Uh, Steve had the line of the uh, probably the line of the year so far, and you guys didn't get to hear it. Before we take to the air and and get into the stream, we uh, meet with the amateur radio newsline crew, of which you know I do stories. Paul, we see Paul and Karen, the editor, right? They all join in, and there's just this list, these list of demands. Um, and we tease them about, you know, this is my thing, and it's kind of like, it's not, can, I see, can I see myself, Paul? Can I, can I see my this? And it's all teasing. Screen, right? te- you know, focus in a little more. Focus and, a little more, a little more me, a little more me. I can't hear my this side. A little more yes, 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 in the monitor. Yes, yes, yes. Check, 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 check. And Paul's got such a great voice, you know, it's his thing. And don't, please don't play Earl Bailey right now. I am here. You know, all these things. These are all just jokes, by the way. But we do connect a little bit before the show to to make sure. And it's just this laugh fest. And what did you say? Because they were, they were moving me around. They were, cameras Mm -hmm. switching back and forth. And you said, what was, what was the line? The ARN abuse line. (laughs) The amateur radio (laughs) abuse line. (laughs) It was hysterical. amateur radio news line abuse line. <laughs> Welcome. What do you want? <laughs> uh, we've got a friend from Amsterdam joining us. An international show here. We're doing ham radio and ballooning on the front side of this. 
Good morning. Here we are. Everybody's got their coffee. coffee. I've got a couple of these. I'm unplugged. Sadly, you can see my radio is sad. I'm unplugged yet again um, because of lightning this morning. So it'll be one of those days. I had enough enough time to go out, work on a fell tree, have it smack me across the forehead as I'm clearing it away. Uh, I thought about wearing a hat, but it's a little warm. You have to see the cuts and the scrapes too, guys. But children, look away. All right, Steve, I'm going to send you to uh, to visit with our friends over in the um, in the chat and see how things are going over there. Hope everybody's doing well. Hello to everybody in the chat, Edwin and James and all the people that I can see. Right now, I'm going to bring in the master. I will send him your regards, Steve. Uh, is there an offering I should give? I don't, I don't know if there's something I should give to the master. Like a little balloon? <laughs> <laughs> can I make like a can I make like a clown thing and be like, yes for you. I've made this for you, Master. Oh, Master. He's, hopefully we've uh, let him know that's gonna be a good time. All right, Steve, we'll see you in just a few minutes. And see you uh, in a few. And uh we'll bring him in. Here he is, he's the master. Hello, good morning to you, sir. Let me make sure I got you off the mute and uh I think we're clear. Good morning, sir. Well, wait may the balloon be with you. I love this. This is uh, this is perfect. I feel like I'm gonna. I'm certainly gonna learn something. And um, but welcome here uh, to the show. This is Whiskey Bravo Eight, Echo Lima Kilo. Uh, I love that call sign. It's great. Is that a vanity sign, or did it just come out that way? I got my first uh, license two days after they landed on the moon. Wow! And it was random. It just came that way. So it was WN8ELK, and then I got my uh, general and advanced and became WB8ELK. And it's my name. It's my Mm -hmm. uh, trademark, so that's what I've kept with all these years. Congratulations on a wonderful professional uh, career, too. If you can, like, you know, let us know in like a a minute or so what what your what your job is or was. Are you retired now? You're enjoying the the retirement or are you semi-retired? I worked for many years on uh, uh, Army missile systems, and uh, um, then I was retired for a little bit, and then a job came through uh, from uh, NASA, and uh, they asked me in the interview, uh, you're of retirement age, how long do you plan to work? And I said, I plan to retire on Mars, and this is the way to make that happen. And I I think that's why they hired me. I love that. So I've been working on the SLS rocket, uh, the Space Launch System which will be the Artemis mission to the moon. So it's like doing the uh, Apollo missions uh, 50 years later. It's just a, just an awesome program to be working on. Congratulations on that. We'll have to have you back again to, to open that up just a little bit. If we didn't scare you off in the pre-show comments that I was talking about, we were having a good time there. You're actually a witness. You may be called to testify one day. I'm sorry, Bill. <laughs> What happened in 1960 that made you want to get involved in, or was it 1960 or the 60s where you you watched a film and it's kind of kicked things off for your your interest? Well, I got into ham radio because when I was about four or five, uh, my great uncle, W8UN, he had been a ham since 1921 and his first radio was a spark gap transmitter. And uh, he was finally told to shut that down because he's wiping out every AM radio uh, receiver in the entire town. So he had to actually go and build a, a regular transmitter. So uh, he uh, said, little Billy, listen to this. And there was a beep, 
beep, beep, beep, beep, coming over the radio. And he said, that's Sputnik. That's a satellite. So that got me interested in both ham radio and the space program. So then much later, uh, I watched a documentary on Joe Kittinger, who parachuted from 103,000 feet above the Earth. And that was so exciting to me, the view of the curvature of the Earth, the blackness of space during midday. I wanted to see that view, but I didn't want to risk my life doing it. So I came up with the idea of launching a, a TV transmitter with a live TV camera and a little two meter tracking beacon. That was way before there was GPS and way before APRS uh, mode. So we had to find it by the old fashioned direction finding techniques. And we could see a fabulous view of the curvature of the earth, just like Joe Kittinger saw. And it was live. It was on a weather balloon, and I didn't have to risk my life by doing it. So it was just phenomenal. We had, uh, if you can imagine an antenna that's 20 miles high, a 100,000 foot tall antenna, just how far you could get out on VHF and UHF. And the answer is about 400 miles in all directions. So people were watching the video from this first flight uh, from all over the Midwest and about 12 state area. Uh, we came within a half mile of the signal, but couldn't quite home in on it. And six weeks later, a farmer found it in his field and we got it back. That's an, it's an interesting part. Now, these things could weigh up to like six pounds, or is that sort of much later down the, the road? The FAA Part 101 rules allows you to have six pounds of payload for a total of 12 pounds. So you could have 12 okay. one-pound payloads or two six-pound payloads. You can't fly like a six pound lead weight, you know, it has to have some density requirements too, like styrofoam around it. But uh, that's the uh, limit without getting a special waiver from the uh, FAA. Uh, the latex balloons typically go up to about 100, 110,000 feet or so. Uh, the balloon pops, parachute comes out, and it comes safely back to Earth. And those are about a two to three hour flight. Uh, during the winter, they can go 200 miles downrange, uh, but during the summer, they could land right back almost on top of you from where you launched it. Um, I went to these Radioson sites. There's 75 sites across the United States where they launch these twice a day to do wind models. And they, uh, one guy, I went to witness it before I did my first launch because this was the first launch ever in the United States for. Um, a TV camera and a little transmitter like this on a weather balloon. And that was 33 years ago. And I've done about 600 mile, uh, flights since. Let's uh, go back just a little bit to talk about, you mentioned the parachute. And I'm curious about the logistics and coordination of these things. You're talking about an obstacle, parachuting from the sky and you and tracking. I know you're big on tracking and you designed a system to do that tracking. How about in the early days? Was there a real concern about where this thing may land and could it hurt someone? Well, and how I, does that uh, work? I developed a program uh, called Ball Track and later Balloon Track uh, that was uh, my friend Rick and Zero KKZ uh, turned it into a really snazzy uh, program. And you could enter uh, FA, uh, the, um, the winds aloft data from the National Weather Service. And it would give you a pretty good estimate of where it was going to land. 
So that really helped a lot. So we would just basically go downrange, have a chase crew downrange, and uh, the balloon would go up. They'd have direction finding on it. I had some of the best uh, fox hunter teams in, uh, in the Midwest chasing these. The Indianapolis uh, fox hunter team, uh, they chased a lot of them, and that was a big event for them to be on the chase. That was half the fun. And so um, they recovered uh, all of them that we flew over the Midwest. Uh, I have had a few land, uh, one landed in, in a swamp in South Carolina, and I was about to traipse in there, and the guy said, if I were you, I, w I wouldn't do that. I said, why is that? It's filled with alligators. <laughs> See you later. We let that one go. Check. <laughs> we yeah. let that one go. <laughs> yeah, for sure. I'm going to ask you a series of questions about benefits, and they may cross over each other a, a little bit here, but what are, what are the benefits of this to education? Oh, absolutely. Uh, uh, I've done uh, school events, hundreds of schools events in multiple states, uh, elementary school all the way up to college level. Uh, this is an incredible benefit to, uh, to STEM education and STEAM. Uh, we, we, uh, I went into a sixth grade class and we had the entire sixth grade class come out. Uh, I asked them a trivia question and that's who was the second man to set foot on the moon. Most of the answers were the, had the word buzz in them was Buzz Lightyear, but <laughs> that's close enough. Uh, so whoever got Buzz Aldrin, they, I let them launch the balloon. And you would have thought that they were launching their very own satellite into space because they were so excited. And I went to a restaurant about a week later and one of the students came up to me and said, Mr. Brown, I didn't know what to do in my career and study for, but now I've decided to become an astronaut. Wow. So, you know, it's, it's inspiration of getting uh, uh, our youth involved in technology and amateur radio. Speaking and of amateur uh, many, radio, yeah. Yes, and many of the teachers that are involved that I work with, uh, they go on to get their amateur radio license, and so, uh, many of those students do as well. Because uh, now they see something they can do that's really fun with ham radio rather than sitting around talking about their ailments on, on 75 meters. So uh, they, they generally, uh, they love the digital modes. They love the fact that if you incorporate their smartphone so they can track it on a map, uh, APRSFI, and there's another site called tracker.habhub.org that tracks all the ham radio balloons that are flying. If they can, if you can tell them they can bring up that up on their smartphone and track the balloon they just launched, you've got them hooked as long as you get their smartphones involved. Yeah, that's a good trick. Let's bundle these two together in the interest of time, and I do hope you'll come back and, and spend more time with me. I think this is fascinating stuff. The benefits of science of this uh, balloon launching and the benefits to ham radio, maybe those two can be bundled together. Sure, this is a great avenue to um, encourage uh, people of all ages to get into amateur radio. I know quite a few uh, hams, new hams, that got into it just by um, their excitement about launching a balloon that could potentially go completely around the world. Uh, I've been developing some very tiny lightweight transmitters, they're called the Sky Tracker, um, both on eight 
PRS and on whisper mode on 20 meters that uh, only 20 milliwatts, but um, the whisper ones can be heard on the other side of the world during uh, their transmission. And I like to call that instead of 100 watts in a wire, it's 10 milliwatts and a magnet wire. <laughs> That's a new show. Thank you, Bill. You'll host that one. We'll, we'll do that for you. We'll produce that one for you. In terms so, of the science, uh, go ahead. The, the science, uh, we have a group of students here at the University of Alabama Huntsville that uh, they have a space hardware club and they um, are taking my trackers uh, all whisper mode and these balloons that are basically about the size of a trash bag that uh, can stay aloft for upwards of several months and they've teamed up with NOAA to validate their wind models for their long duration wind models on their uh, website so they're working with NOAA, uh, and they're using our ham radio uh, balloon tracks. They have a prediction software, and they're comparing it to what actually happens. So this is definitely advancing uh, science as they study the jet stream compared to their wind models. You want to talk briefly about Equinox, the, uh, the most recent launch? Yes. Uh, uh, Trevor McDuff, KS1LAS, uh, got a grant to uh, uh, basically fund uh, 14 uh, sky trackers, uh, both APRS and there were some with whisper mode, uh, and these special balloons that could stay aloft. And they launched 14 of them uh, all over the world, um, 10 in the United States. There were two in Australia, one in Argentina, and most recently one in Thailand, and soon to be one in Nigeria. So, um, and it was a real challenge finding some ham radio operators in Nigeria, but we did. So uh, they uh, launched within a two-day window, and um, some of them hit storms and came down. Some hit mountain turbulence. It was like uh, watching a NASCAR race with several wrecks happening along the way. And uh, three of them did survive. Two of them went completely around the world just uh, two weeks after they were launched. And they were in a race, and they were only seven hours apart. And uh, two uh, high school students, uh, Audrey and Jack McElroy, KM4ZIA and KM4BUN, they won the race. Uh, Amy Allerton, KG7KYW, was in second place with her team. She launched from uh, Utah, and the uh, McElroys launched from uh, Atlanta, Georgia. Uh, they are currently, uh, Amy's balloon is currently over Romania, and the uh, McElroy's is over Turkmenistan, in the, yeah. and they are on their second lap now around the world. That's amazing. Well, thank you, Bill. Thanks for coming by. I hope you'll, you'll come back. Let us know if we can help you with anything and talk about any new launches or what's going on with uh, current launches. We'd love to have you back and talk a little bit about your work and your builds, your tracker programs, and all that sort of stuff. And congratulations and on a great career. if anybody wants any information, they can... Mm -hmm. uh, Send an email to gmail.com with my call sign, Whiskey Bravo Adeco Lima Kilo, at gmail. Will do. Thank you, sir. Thank you, master. I think I have to do. I don't know what's appropriate. I don't lose eye contact. I, I, I'm reading on that, too. I, I, I'll get better at it. Thanks, Bill. All right. Take care. 73. It's been a pleasure. Thank 73. you. The ICOM 705 is your perfect QRP companion 
as you have base station features and functionality at the tip of your fingers. But it's in a portable package covering HF 6 meters, 2 meters, and 70 centimeters. This compact rig weighs in at 1 kilo or just over 2 pounds. With RF direct sampling for most of the HF band and IF sampling for frequencies above 25 megahertz. It's got that large 4.3-inch color touchscreen with live band scope and waterfall. And the perfect accessory for the IC705 is the optional backpack. It's the LC192. It has a special compartment for the IC705 and room for accessories for soda activations or just a day in the park. Visit icomamerica.com amateur for more information on all ICOM radios. And BioNO Power, offering the best performance lithium iron phosphate batteries for your ham radios. Visit BioNOPower.com. That's B I O E N N O P O W E R.com. Or contact dealers nationwide. All right, friends, this is the, uh, the portion of our show where we get together with our friends from Amateur Radio Newsline, and I feel like I may be getting ready to hear the business for my friends. But uh, here they are, here they are, Karen. She's out in the very frosty overlook there doing her, uh, doing her reports. Let me make sure we got you unmuted there. You're good. And then Paul. I like that symbol, Paul. I think you're muted. You're, there you go. There I like go. this. That, what was this? That was that the sign that you can't hear or see me or what? 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 That, no, that was the sign that I was muted. Oh, I like that. I like that. Yeah, thanks. Okay, Karen, we That's need to do this. I, I was thinking <laughs> there were three of us. We could do hear no evil, see no evil. I'll do this one. Speak no evil. Yeah. <laughs> There's my next thumbnail. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Good. Got it. Okay. <laughs> There. But welcome. Look at look at you guys with this background. Yeah. A very exciting report. I uh, I said something <laughs> troubling uh, this morning to Paul and kind of freaked everybody out. But uh, I I like to still listen to the audio. I listen to the audio of this show uh, more than I watch myself. I mean, I've only got a brush burn from some kind of uh, tree, and then so I listened to Amateur Radio Newsline this week in the shower it seemed to gross you out a little bit and paul was freaked out about it a little bit so i mm -hmm. i uh i didn't know it was yeah. a thing you know i didn't know it was a thing i said paul you sounded great i listened to the uh the Team news line in the, in the shower and it was like uh, uh, you know like, like coughing. it was unclear it was unclear whether you were the one in the shower or whether you were listening to paul in the shower and oh, the image even thought that one yeah, either image was a either image is not good for me. No. It's not even noon, and it's I know weird, people man. take yeah. It's all yeah. weird. I, you know, I'm sorry I brought it up, but I was trying to give a compliment, but it it really well, went right. to this dark, I mean, this dark. You appreciate it. Why? Well, I can't imagine where people listen to you sometimes. Yeah. I where do you imagine, listen to you? Very, Paul? You're very portable. You're very portable yeah, John, wherever you go. Johnny Carson used mm -hmm. to talk about that, he'd, and he'd sit there every night at that desk imagining what, because people normally watch that around bedtime, and he said, yeah, I don't try not to think about that. No. Yeah, it's pretty gross. You guys have uh, sort of a wintry background. It's springtime. I'm slightly confused here. Let's, let's figure out what's going on with these visuals. Karen, what's going on? Yeah. 
well, I'm I'm dressed for the occasion here. I'm ready. I'm in Antarctica, or at least my green screen is. I'm safely uh, safely home. This is a story that uh, happened kind of naturally with people who had a joy for getting some DX in a big way. A fellow named Paul Daniels, VK2PAD, Australian uh, ham radio operator, was assigned to work at Casey Station. And of course, who doesn't bring along their radio for the duration? He figured he'd get in a rag chew here or there. He might get in some good contacts because who doesn't like to work Antarctica? Well, he's a SOTA activator, and he got to talking with some people, and a person in charge of uh, Worldwide Flora and Fauna said, hey, you're in a park, for goodness sake. You should activate, and while you're there, activate the continent. Anyway, this is sort of like the little engine that could. He just went down there with his radios thinking, ah, get on the air, I'll do a little activation on the weekends. Well, he is having a ball with the pileups now. He is the spontaneous de-expedition de- that just sort of grew and grew and grew. And they say nothing can grow in Antarctica. Well, anyone <laughs> who says that doesn't know ham radio. And he's really uh, making the most of it. Uh, people are emailing him for appointments. <laughs> but that doesn't stop the pileups. Uh, he's learning to manage the pileups. He's learning to work them. He's getting in a rag chew here and there, but mostly he's trying to accommodate folks who really want Antarctica in their log. And I just think it's one of the coolest stories in temperature-wise and, and theme-wise in that you never know. You yeah. go someplace, you bring a radio, and things happen. Any indication of where he's working on what bands, that sort of thing? Or is it just sort of uh, we're all over the place? Ah, we did report in our uh, newscast this week. Yeah, he's, he's I believe he's on uh, 20 and 40. I He's being spotted, certainly, mm-hmm. on the clusters. He's planning to try some new bands. I think he will try uh, 17. He's not sure yet what else uh, he might be on. But watch the clusters. He will definitely be visible there. Uh, He was looking to expand his frequency repertoire while down there. Paul, what do you think of spontaneous pileups? I... I think it's, I mean, it, it depends on, you know, if he was expecting, you know, kind of expecting it, that's cool. If he was just thinking, I'm just going to get a little time in here while I'm down here and work a few stations, and all of a sudden he becomes the focus, the focus of a uh, spontaneous de-expedition, that changes things a little, because then you get a lot of people trying to work you, and you get a lot of people angry when they don't. Yeah. That's complicated. Yeah, I'm curious to see what antennas you would have taken, you know, what what kind of radios you're working on and, you know, those kind of situations that surround it. But I'm sure it'll all come out. Yeah. I mean, I... I never plan a vacation bring... Well, except when we're going somewhere where I can bring a couple of HTs with me. Like when we go to Vegas, my wife wife enjoys playing. I don't because I suck at it. So um, I hang a... uh, I hang a Slim Jim up in the window in the hotel suite, and I sit there with the HTs, and I work the local repeaters and, and keep myself entertained that way while she hopefully wins us money. Right, right. Yeah, that never happens uh, for me 
It's a good yeah, plan. Well, the, the one time, the one time I told her, I said, "You got to owe me enough so I can go over to uh, you know Giga Parts and uh, get myself something." And so she walked back in the room and said, "Here." So I called an Uber and I went and bought some toys. Hey, do we have a call sign for the uh, gentleman in the Antarctica? We do indeed. Uh, VK0PD, Paul Daniels, his initials. There you go. Thank so you so be much. be listening for him. There you go. VK0PD. Thank you for that. Uh, story number two. Paul, you look like you're in a cold place, too, and it looks <coughs> slightly familiar. Yeah. I, uh, behind me is Bouvet Island. Which, oh, as everybody knows, was one of the most anticipated D expeditions from two years ago. I believe it was yeah. 2019, and uh, they got this close to it, and then uh, weather and a, a mechanical problem with the ship forced them to turn away, and they never got to the island, and they had to cancel or postpone the D expedition. Um, and at the time, it was also announced that there was a second group that was going to attempt a, a, a D expedition to Bouvet. And for similar reasons, they didn't get that done either. However, both of those groups are making another attempt. Uh, the first one is going to be the uh, the Rebel Group, uh, Rebel DX Group, which um, is planning on uh, setting up for 30 days uh, at the end of this year, sometime in December. And uh, they're bringing a variety of equipment. They're planning on working everything 160 through 6 and they're going to be working all the bands or even going to try to work because down there, they're within the footprint of that Qatar um, satellite that's uh, geostationary. So they're going to be working through that as well. And uh, so there's going to be your first sh shot. And then the initial group that started it, which was the, uh, the Intrepid DX group, is planning on going back uh, in January of 2023. So that'll give you a second chance. Or in my case, that's two chances for me to not be heard at the bottom of a pileup. Man. But uh, if, and if you want to uh, get more information and uh, contribute, because, you know, these things are not cheap. At all. Um, the first one is just rebeldxgroup.com, and the other one is, well, intrepiddxgroup.com. Isn't it about $30,000 a, a person, or did I, am I pulling that number out of somewhere yeah, no, else? No, that's... that's uh, the yeah the uh, the 20. rebel group says they're 20. about th twenty yeah the rebel group says they're about thirty two grand short of their goal so oh, they're I see. doing a GoFundMe but no it's expensive the people that actually go on these things all have to contribute ten or twenty grand depending on where they're going a piece to help fund it and then they take donations from the outside so for those people that complain when they when they get a you know they get a contact and then the group is asking for like a $5 donation to get a QSL card right don't complain because you didn't have to spend 30 grand to go to this island so that you could get a contact right and you know that picture behind you it it's it reminds me of how the last team i guess it was 18 or 19 somewhere in that uh, last year screw, screwed everybody's minds up with the time yeah. But that image you have behind you is almost, it's probably not quite that close, uh, how close they came. They could actually see the island, but yeah. the engine blew or something, right? And, they, and the, uh, yeah, it the was captain the said, we got to turn a, around. Yeah, they had a mechanical problem with the engine on the mm -hmm. uh, Braveheart. And the captain it was a said, cyclone. Yeah, oh. the captain said, for safety, we got to call this off and, and turned around. So and the equipment's been close. stored in, yeah, the, the equipment was, has been stored in Cape Town since. 
Oh, good. And uh, so they're getting ready to uh, dust it all off and head back. What do you think, Karen? Well, they, well, I think, yeah, that was the, the real heartbreak of, uh, of calling off that de-expedition was that they literally could oh, they could reach out and touch the island. But there were too many questions about safety. Uh, there were too many questions, too, about whether <laughs> they'd be able to get back. So let's cross fingers for this one. They have been on the air. At least uh, Dom, uh, the leader, has been been heard or has been spotted on the air from Cape Town. So some of the equipment's been out and they've been working on it, but they're ready. They're ready. And you know what? So are we. Yeah. I mean, I, you think about getting that close to the island on a, on a trip like that, and you've got money in involved here and the money just had to kind of go I don't know how they allocated it. How things broke down after that is a lot of money. And then you can see it right there. You would think, I can probably, can we, can we, we have a small rowboat? Like, you know, you're that close. And it was a rough trip. We'll go out there. Yeah. Do you remember hearing about, because you could follow it along. I think there was a website, Bouvet Island, and you, and it was rough. Like, it was a rough trip. They had many storms and issues and things, and then they got that close. So I felt for that team, for sure, Uh, anyway. But I'm glad to see they're getting it back together. Me too. Like yeah, I said, two more chances point. for me to not work them. Well, I, I'd love to work them too, but I don't know. I, I'm glad that they're going to be there for an extended period. And even the second team that comes back, you know, if you didn't get the chance the first time around, maybe you've got another crack at it. The big guns well, seem to have... come out and clog the system mm-hmm. up a little bit on an expedition like that. You have a year you... between them uh, to save for a linear amp. <laughs> Oh, yeah. thank you. Okay. Yeah, the, <laughs> yeah the, the, the first group is going to be on the island. They, they're planning for a month for 30 days. The second group will be there for 20. So between the two, if they get set up and operating, that gives you 50 days to try to get through. So, I mean, I'm going. Uh-oh. We, got, we froze up on Paul. We may be frozen up. Oh, you're not frozen, Karen. We just, oh, no, he's not frozen either. Anyway, 30 days to get there was what you're last You're fine. You're good. All right. Well, thank you guys. If you have any comments about uh, these de-expeditions or any de-expeditions in general, we probably should have some people come on the show and talk a little bit about this. And, you know, from the expense to the travel to the doing it part, it's a fascinating thing. And I think a lot of these folks, you you have to get sponsorship or something. Like the three of us just could not put it together. We'd be out on the little John boat. <laughs> Karen would yeah. be doing their best Washington as we cross some sort of creek, I, you know, we just and couldn't. wouldn't be able to mute Paul as easily. If right. Were yeah, on the exactly. That, that's my cue, Paul. That means that's enough out of him. That's, <laughs> that's code. That's code. Thank you both uh, for stopping by again this week. Oh, and, uh, you're welcome. We hope to see you again Thank next you. week. Uh, encourage everybody to put your comments below and let us know what you think about the expeditions, all that sort of stuff. And uh, we'll talk to you again next week. 7-3, guys. 73. Take care. Bye. Bye. Let's take a minute to talk about what I feel is the most beneficial deal in ham radio today. It's when you become a sustaining member of 100 watts and a wire. Here's how it works when you donate $25 or more, you will become a sustaining member for a year. And during that year, you get discounts from participating businesses. It's a win, win, win. The show gets your support. 
you get the discounts, a little more money in your pocket for your next project, and those businesses can earn your trust. Visit 100wattsandawire.com, click the Sustaining Membership tab to learn how you can support the content you enjoy. And thanks. Doing his thing. And doing his thing is, uh, well, it's none of my business, actually. Actually, I think he was just uh, out. Do you get vacations? I don't know what you do. Who knows what you do? You're so secretive. Let me, uh, I think you're unmuted. You're good. Where were you? Yeah. There I took you a whole vacation. Oh, you took some time off. Okay. Yeah. What's happening with you, sir? We, uh, we've got Hour 73. This is a uh, feature where everyday people like you and me uh, work to become a little bit more self-sufficient, learn about different things like energy and, and power and getting out from radio and all sorts of things and really amplified by uh, the COVID-19 pandemic of, uh, well, of today and specifically last year when we started getting things together and sort of thinking about what we can do a little bit better. Uh, so Don is my partner in this adventure, and and uh, you were mixing it up a little bit on the Facebook there when we were uh, we were talking. We have some comments, and so we can go over some of that stuff. But I want to see what you had in mind uh, from your vacation. What you've been thinking about? Yeah, hey, that sounds good. Uh, I wanted to see what the rest of the world was doing, okay. not just us, right? So threw out a few questions. Right. Uh, if you think about it, over the past two sessions with last week being off <clears throat> we talked about you know what are what are the capabilities we need uh, whether that's a club or individual Oops. how you assess those needs uh, and, and honestly as we go through the questions uh, and the comments that were on Facebook I'd, I'd be interested to hear how how folks are setting themselves up to be able to uh, mobilize so if they had to either respond to their club or even within, say, the 100 watts in a wire family, if uh, if I needed to get get to Steve out in the Pacific Northwest, how would I do it? How could I get stuff out to him? Uh, you know, those type of things. So, gotcha. Anything good uh, that struck your eye on the uh, the Facebook yeah. comments? Let me pull it up here because I just uh, got a little too wacky and uh, made it made it too large there. So let me uh, let me pull it up. And so you went and talking about things, and this is the great thing about having a a group like 100 watts in a wire you can just put some things out there and here's what you were asking here uh the rigidity of uh, races and aries and looking for something a little bit more fluid and um let's see we're moving toward the blanket of acs you want to talk about that a little bit what that means to you what yeah, the auxiliary so I was just say one thing that we looked at in my jurisdiction uh when i was responsible for the races program is something that was a little more generic. Uh, so it wasn't specifically races, it wasn't specifically Aries, but it met what the jurisdiction needed. So uh, again, I'm not here to comment pro or con on any particular organization's framework, um, but I, I'll say what I said in week one. If you meet what the jurisdiction needs as a club, then you're providing a service. So it doesn't have to be called uh, anything specific, but we looked at ACS for the reason one, uh, there was some movement that way uh, across a couple other organizations nearby, but two, you know, it's not just necessarily what we do in time of emergency. It could be support of a special event. 
It could be digital capabilities. It could be the ability to provide email. So we wanted to make it a little, uh, a little more nebulous so that we had, uh, you know, we, we had some room to, to, to wiggle. Let's just leave it that way. Okay. And so, of course, you say you're, you're doing a little Oxcom Irv there with a comment talking about, you know, investigating it because that can, too, be as rigid and uh, as racy's and Aries. People asking where your location was. And, uh, again, it goes back to location. And I think that falls back in line with what you say with jurisdictions and really being local. And it kind of kind of all depends, seems uh seems to be the commentary coming back from your post. Yeah, and I think that's okay. So uh, I'm going to make, I don't know if this is a bold statement or not, but I'm going to say that I believe we will be hard-pressed to see an official Racy's activation where we've reached the uh, where we've reached the level that something in my county is so significant that you have federal government guidelines uh, in place on who can transmit and when. I think from the time that RACES was enumerated in legislation or uh, CFR and and FCC guidelines, we're talking back at the height of the Cold War. uh, The U.S. government has built capabilities to communicate regardless of what amateurs are doing. So I'm I'm convinced that at least locally we're not going to see one. Uh, but that doesn't mean we can't build the capability. So in my mind, I always looked at it as what does my county need? How do we provide it? I know it's an oversimplification, but I don't care what we call it. Let's just be able to meet needs. I mean, should people be looking at, I mean, you mentioned the the radio clubs, which I think is a really interesting part because they, they may maintain a geographic area. You know, that may be the club that you go to if you're within 25 to 50 miles, Who who knows? Should clubs and people like uh, even, you know, normal people who are not in a club, should you be looking to um, do boundaries? Maybe that's not the right term, but maybe like a more geographic area that you may cover as this jurisdiction. Are you breaking it down in literal, say, legal, federal land? How, how would you describe jurisdiction? Yeah, so that's a great question. Uh, one of the things you're going to hear is that all disasters start and end locally. So the immediate needs are somewhere local, somewhere in a jurisdiction. Uh, I can only speak to what my club does. So I know that that uh, the Carroll County Amateur Radio Club carry, uh, covers Carroll County, Maryland. And it just so happens that that's the county jurisdiction. But there are some places where you might go hundreds of miles and not see a club. So uh, for me, at least locally, it, it's pretty easy. Most of the counties have their own clubs. They seem to align with um, with the jurisdictional lines. So that's not to say, though, that uh, that if I'm part of Carroll County's Amateur Radio Club sitting here in North Central Maryland and somewhere in Pennsylvania, let's say Gettysburg needs our help. There's nothing to say that we can't go up there and help. Uh, I just think I'm a bit spoiled in that our club matches up with the jurisdiction. And I saw the comment you flashed up there about club members who are involved in CERT. I think it was Philip who put that. I mean, I think that's a great idea. We talk about how we build capabilities. CERT's one of them. You get great training in CERT. Uh, Even in your last segment where the mention 
uh, where the discussion was talking about summits on the air or parks on the air. So some of the things we do as amateurs uh, with the contesting will prep us to be able to help a jurisdiction in time of need. So, you know, I love the fact that folks are all over the board and what they're trying to do and, and where they're trying to pick up these capabilities. I think it's fantastic. It's great for us because I think we're talking about, we're trying to hit you at the individual level. Of course, we all have radio clubs. They all have different interests. We've talked about this in the past. Some contest, some are rag chewers, some just like to be local. Then you've got, I don't know, maybe a couple, a few thousand people, not in the club, but across the country who are interested in the emergency communication. And uh, here's a comment from, we'll say Flip. I don't know how you, I guess you'd say Laura Flip. There, uh, we started our own group with the local sheriff when Aries and Races was just not flexible enough, you know, and that's how that goes where she is, you know. Um, and it's and also that's a great point, yeah. It's a little daunting too to think about starting your own thing, but I would be silly if I didn't approach Don and start to talk about how we can, we can start our own thing. <laughs> So uh, this is all really Im- important to me that to see that people are, uh, you know, they're out there. They're, they're, there's, there's a lot of red tape, and I think we've talked about this too. And whatever we do, I just don't want to be the guy who organizes things along with you and gets in the way of people like you, a first-line responder, somebody who's right there. I just mm-hmm. don't want to get in the way. I want to help, but I don't really know what's best to do. So there, there was a lot of questions for me of how you even get started on all this. Your club, your club thing is a good, it's a good grounding uh, source, but many people don't belong to a club too. What do you say to those folks? Did we just start at home? Yeah. Well, so I'm a proponent of starting at home, regardless, you want to build whatever capabilities that you want to have in your house. Uh, But in terms of being able to help, you got to ask the question. So, if uh, if my county didn't have its own club, or if even if I uh, decided that I didn't want to be a part of the club, perhaps one of the uh, one of the conversations I'm going to have is with the local jurisdiction. I'm going to call uh, I'm going to call Carroll County. I'm going to call their Office of Emergency Management and say, Hey, I'm an amateur operator. These are the capabilities that I have. Uh, how can I help? And let them drive the need. Uh, and if it's something that I, I don't have the capability for, then either I learn, maybe I get the gear, uh, or uh, I provide the capability that I can. So uh, it's interesting to see. And, you know, the comments are, are coming in about folks disbanding races and discontinued uh, the CERT communicating, uh, communicators course. And you know, that's impactful. Um, but I think there's also always somebody looking for help. And uh, it's you throw your hat in the ring, right? So if you don't know where to start, I'm reaching out to the jurisdiction. So I'm figuring out, you know, w- what those needs are, what they need from me, and then how I meet them. Yeah. And uh, it's important to say races, and I didn't think I understood this. I did uh, 18 months in the local Aries uh, here. And understanding what races really is, and you talked about it a little bit here on the front side of this, but that's going to be enacted by... The president, right? That's somebody, whoever the president would say, all right, we're going to put this plan into play. And you feel, like you said, that that, that probably won't happen. And then races is just kind of dangling out there, right? I get it right? Yeah, so we use them synonymously. We uh, Our programs are races slash Aries. Mm-hmm. Uh, and 
we almost make them one and the same, and they're two distinctly different programs. You know, Racy's is rooted basically in War Powers Act. If you got to think, I, and someone someone might know the exact year, but I want to say that legislation was put in place in the 1950s. So think about where we were as a country back in the 50s. You're talking about Cold War era. Uh, emergency management on a whole wasn't even emergency management back then as much as it was civil defense. You know, we're all in the bunkers deep underground and and that's how we're surviving. So uh, while I while I appreciate mm-hmm. that uh, certain organizations have used races and Aries synonymously, the reality is, is that they are two different things uh, and distinctly different uh, guidelines. Races, you know, th- there's CFR behind a code of federal regulation. There's uh, somewhere in part 97 and I can't dig up where it was, you know, off the top of my head, you know, are all the guidelines to a RACES activation. Whereas ARIES is one organization's framework. Uh, so it's, uh, you know, your mileage might vary depending on where you are, but to the comments about reaching out to your local sheriff and seeing what they, uh, they need, uh, to Paul's comment about, uh, meeting up with the officers, uh, you know, police, sheriffs or whatever, and, and being able to, to kind of figure out what they need, learn what they need and, and do what they have to do. And I think Steve just put up the reference there. It's 97.407. Uh, that's how you help. That's where the help come from, uh, comes from is knowing what these guys need and knowing how to fill it. So, uh, what you call it and I'll say it, uh, you know, I'll die on that hill. What you call it's almost inconsequential. Being able to meet the need is what is important in time of disaster. So a little foreshadowing. Uh, I've been talking to Don, and I do I do want to establish something among uh, the members of the show and the 100 Watts in a Wire community. And I'm going to, if you're interested, I think we'll start here. If you're interested in learning more or you're interested in emergency communications or just preparedness in general, um, we're going to be developing some things over the next couple weeks and, and months, and maybe it'll it'll expand beyond that. But we'll see what the interest level is. It's an invitation, I think, to anybody who sees this live or hears it down the road. I'm interested in meeting you and seeing where you are and starting to uh, put um, a map together, a geographic map. That's all I'm going to say about it. Is that too much? Did I say too much, Don? Is it... Is it yeah. too cryptic? But I, I let's just find out who's interested in this sort of stuff, right? Maybe that's the best way to say it. Drop me an email. Yeah, and hey, look, I think we could have some fun with it. It's it's good to know uh, if if I needed to mobilize uh, resources to someone that hey, I, you know, I've got a guy in the Pacific Northwest, or hey, I know someone in Arizona. Uh, you know, part of the big the big Hamley, as you call it, mm-hmm. uh, the 100 watts in the wire Hamley, knowing where folks are and and knowing if, uh, you know, God forbid here, if I needed some help, like how could I get it? How could I mobilize uh, the 100 watts in the uh, wire army to, to be able to communicate? I, I mean, I think there's a lot of potential. We could probably have some fun with doing some things on the air if we wanted to. So I'd, I'd be interested to... Uh, I'd be interested to see what, uh, not only where folks are, but you know, how they can communicate with the rest of us uh, if we needed. Uh, Spike just made a comment about the day after. Uh, one heck of a movie. Uh, so in terms of just general preparedness and that theme, 
I mean, think about it, moving through the 50s to I'm a child of the 80s. And, uh, you know, we spend our time living in fear that we'd have to run down to the uh, fallout shelter in the elementary school. So it's interesting how much we progress, but it's yeah. also interesting how we built those skill sets, even at a young age, to know what preparedness is and how we mobilize. Cool. Well, drop us a line. Uh, you can send me an email. I'm easy to find, Christian, at 100 Watts and a Wire. And I'm going to start to put together sort of a team, if you will, or this army, if you will. That's pretty dr- dr- drastic when there's only two of us at the moment. So, but hey, but you know, if you're interested in uh, preparedness, radio communications, emergency communications, maybe you love or are in Aries or a member of your local team, drop us a line. I'd like to see. Um, just how many people are interested in sort of uh, gathering and then join us here on the air each week and we'll talk about it. So that's all good news. All right, brother, I'm yeah, glad you're, you're back. That would be a, yeah. a blast. There's a lot of things happening in the world, in our country specifically. We're heading in the storm season. It's coming earlier this year, uh, predicted. We're getting tornadoes in places like Oklahoma and Virginia. I think yesterday was a hotbed, so... I'm interested in uh, collecting contacts in different parts of the country. So we'll leave it at that. How about that? You got something Yeah, else? it's starting now. It's starting now. So uh, <clears throat> there there are things going on in several parts of the of the nation. And if you didn't see it, the, uh, the National Weather Service just predicted or moved up the average from 11 hurricanes to 14. And that we're expecting, I think, one more uh, hurricane so, so 11 named storms to 14, one more mm. hurricane, uh, three major hurricanes. That stayed the same. So I think the old one, the old averages were 11, 6, and 1, and now it's 14, 7. I'm sorry, 11, 6, and 3, 11 named storms, six hurricanes, three majors, to 14 named storms, seven hurricanes, three majors. So it might get a little busier. Yeah, for sure. All right, we're looking for some contacts and some correspondence down in those, yeah, let's uh, have some those fun. areas. Let's have some fun. Let's uh, let's uh, mobilize together. 100 let's watts. Let's do away. it. All right, Don, 73, brother. We uh, Welcome back, and uh, we'll chat again real soon. Appreciate your time. See you next week. Stay safe, man. 73. QRO to the people. This is 100 watts and a wire. Let's take a minute to talk about what I feel is the most beneficial deal in ham radio today it's when you become a sustaining member of 100 watts and a wire here's how it works when you donate 25 dollars or more you will become a sustaining member for a year and during that year you get discounts from participating businesses it's a win 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 the show gets your support you get the discounts a little more money in your pocket for your next project and those businesses can earn your trust. Visit 100wattsandawire.com, click the Sustaining Membership tab to learn how you can support the content you enjoy. And thanks. Main Trading Company is your one-stop ham radio shop in Paris, Texas. Find us on the web at mtcradio.com. We've been in business for 12 years. We take trades and love to help fellow hams trade up to a newer rig. Watch our used gear page on the web for great deals on older and even like new equipment. Main Trading is a mom and pop business owned by Richard and Christine Lenore. We hope you'll hop on the web and give us a try or give us a call at 903-737-0773.
We're here hoping to earn your business with good old-fashioned friendly service. If you're in Northeast Texas, stop in and see us at 2707 Lamar Avenue. Main Trading Company, Surplus Electronics, and Ham Radio. Okay, okay. Welcome back. Welcome back. Our friend Steve is back with us, and he's been uh, hanging out in the chat room uh, playing Everybody's Elmer. Oh, let me get you off the mute. You're, there you go. There we go. I see you over there laughing and uh, doing your thing. You're mixing it up in the uh, in the place. What's happening uh, with the people today? Well, it got really quiet during the uh, the balloon uh, comments. Oh, that's so it fascinating. Was, it was great. That, that's fascinating and uh i've always enjoyed uh watching the balloons and amazed on the second lap that the uh the current balloons are doing and that's uh he didn't uh go into where the starting point where was the uh, finish line when they uh who was first and second but still yeah doing a second lap around the world that's that's just fantastic and uh uh, there was uh you know another car ma- a comment ricardo made about you know aircraft and uh and uh you know you know running into a balloon and things like that so uh, i would imagine there would be some uh, no tams that would be uh, issued uh, but uh yeah that's uh, one of the risks and uh is uh you know because these balloons are up in the you know and going through uh, you know airspace that the uh, you know commercial air traffic is uh, flying right. in. but uh it scared me to death to think that. about that uh dropping down yeah. something even with the parachute that that it would hit you six mm-hmm. pounds on the nugget is not good uh i'll show you what a tree branch will do to you just a little <laughs> one not a big one either it'll give you a nice little uh raspberry or, or i think they call one pound or, or the scattershot uh 12 one pound uh nuggets yeah, yeah, yeah right do a yeah fascinating well, stuff hopefully the, the chute opens and uh, deploys so but that's uh, that's cool, and uh, good talk on the uh, uh, with Don there, and then the races. That's uh, yeah. I remember uh, when I first got licensed. Uh, you know, they were issuing races calls, and they were uh, WC, and then the uh, call district. So you had to hmm. you have to get a you know races license and be involved in that. So it, uh, yeah, now they're kind of combined. It's like a yeah. At well, least in locally. a nutshell, in, in a nutshell, ba- what races if. So in World War II, the president ordered uh, amateur radio, well, Congress ordered amateur radio to go silent. Well, then they created a, uh, they needed a pool of communicators. Mm -hmm. And that took like six months or so to get up and going versus, and then in 52, Racy's was developed. And that way, if we ever had to silence the amateur radio community, but still have the trained operators the role of races was to have this group of people that are trained, registered, and uh, ready to go. And uh, but that's all kind of fallen, kind of the wayside. And yeah. you know, everything has changed. It's everything's improved. I mean, it's just communications mm-hmm. programs. All these platforms have exactly uh, have and, changed. Oh yeah, reliability of the existing, uh, com- you know, infrastructure that. Uh, community you know counties and states are using and they've really hardened it up but it's still as much as they think it uh it's going to be reliable and the redundancies stuff happens or you know the biggest problem is 
an incident comes along, they're reconfiguring things, try to go, oh, we want to do this, do that, slip of a finger on a keyboard, and boom, there goes the uh, whole infrastructure. So, uh, yeah, we're kind of being pushed out of the off to the side, but in reality, stuff happens, and it's usually a slip of a keyboard or or if someone gets in and deliberately misconfigures mm-hmm. something, then all of a sudden it goes on, everything goes down. And uh, we, we've seen where 911 uh, traffic just disappears and goes away because of a misconfiguration mm-hmm. in a router. Everything's running over VOIP, so it's really easy to uh, kind of foobar something, get into a firewall and do things. Yeah. So, Well, speaking it's, of uh, doing... It's, uh, Things happen. I think you call it the mm-hmm. S happens. Here's one stuff here. Stuff happens. Me, stuff, <laughs> yeah, stuff happens. Right. I'm not sure that's the word you used earlier this week when this replace stuff it, happened. Yeah, re, re, replace it whatever S word you would Yeah, like. sure. Any expletive, any adverb that yeah. works well for you. Let me uh, let me share something with you, Steve. I, it is uh, raining. It is spring here in what I sometimes refer to as New Seattle, where it rains all the time. But we're getting lots of uh, lightning and storms, and I'm unplugged today. I'm unplugged. You tell my rig is is just sitting there. Poor bobblehead Cal Ripken's like, well, we're going to do something, man. Yeah, well, here, here's what happened to me, uh, and I posted this uh, yesterday. I'm not really sure how long I was going to sit here listening with the antenna unplugged. Oh. I had the radio on, and... Um, it actually wasn't the HF side. I had my. I was listening locally. I was trying to listen, and I had the scanner on, and it just didn't mm-hmm. stop. And I'm like, that's strange. I mean, I know there's not so much activity all the time. There's 1.8 thousand uh, people have saw my uh, peril. I was completely unplugged. Right? No, no wonder uh-huh. it didn't stop scanning. There was nothing to hear. Right? But I'm happy to know that many other people are uh, having uh, this, uh, the issue, uh, been there, mm-hmm. done that a few times, even with the antenna unplugged and not really realizing it. Enjoy <laughs> the silence, like <laughs> which is a, a wonderful uh, song uh, from mm-hmm. Depeche Mode. Love that. Yes, it's peaceful. Uh, Marcus, you know, everybody's saying, look, you're not the, you're not the only one. Oh, uh, yeah, I'm here. Done it. Been there, done that. HF would have been a little different, right? HF would have looked a little different because mm-hmm. I'm not seeing anything at all. Uh, because I was yeah. on two meter rig, and the two meter is just spinning through the repeaters and and any and simplex frequency, and it's, <laughs> it's just yep. like I'm like, wait a minute, hey, what? Because after a while, you're like, somebody's about to say something somewhere. What is going on? And you know, time slips away, and next thing you know, you're. Mm-hmm. You're, uh, you go, oh, see the laughter and, and the fun. Uh, we did we did have a, a good time talking about this, but it That's happens. Great. S does happen. It happens. It mm-hmm. happens. The coax switch exactly. is in the wrong position. Um, just, I've just been unplugged for most of the last couple of weeks, so it, it's weird. It, it was crazy. I couldn't believe it. I came out here last night and flipped on the radio. I was looking for... Uh, an interface uh, board that I built years ago, and I uh, I found it in, in my bench and uh, came in into the shack and turned on the radio, and I just, the noise floor was just hideous. I mean, on 20, 40, 75 meters, that it was just, and then a few people were commenting about uh, 
about it, but it was like, uh, normally my noise floor around here is, you know, S1, S2 on a bad day. And it was sitting around S5 and it's like, yeah, I know Steve, you know, first world problems, you know, most mm-hmm. uh, people in the city are dealing with S9 noise and I feel your pain been there, done that. And, uh, but it's, uh, yeah, it was uh, rough last night. Uh, I guess there was the storms were just going crazy. So yeah, feel your pain there, buddy. You know, it happens to everybody. It happens to everybody. It's, but it's good to know when you find the problem and you're like, oh. mm-hmm. and everybody's like, <laughs> senior moment. I'm like, okay, now I know why people say that. It's a good, like, <laughs> it's better than being a complete idiot. Like a, a complete moron is it, yeah, senior moment. Sorry, home. Well, yeah, well, it was totally me. I was unplugged. It. Yeah, but the other the part is it. I was unplugged. <laughs> It was a lightning storm, and you actually did it. You actually unplugged. You were right. You didn't plug it back in, but hey, there you go. Anyway, I'm not alone, and either are you. You know, for your uh, scanner, you can have an indoor antenna or something like that. You can uh, plug into the back. Yeah. That way, uh, you can still listen. Just a little 19-inch piece of uh, wire bent. Yeah, I just couldn't get over. Like, I'm like, you know, there are some repeaters that I have programmed. I probably have Uh 70 different, you know, memory things programmed in my in my uh, 9700 back there and usually one one or two loops pass somebody you're going to catch an id a- a- nothing mm-hmm. else you're going to catch something and i'm like something's just not right here man oh oh just like... but thank you guys well, for picking use me a up handheld use your handheld it always yeah. has an antenna on it <laughs> <laughs> it's here. It's close by too. And with this weather, we've been having a like talking to Don. I'm not a meteorologist or a or storm chaser, but I'm curious to watch where they're hitting. And I'm getting a little more into. I can always mm-hmm. tell these little fascinating aspects of our service and this hobby is that you know there's so many things to to look at and like and start to get involved with. And I can't really read the weather maps and stuff, but I'm I'm curious to see what's going on. My interest in emergencies and disaster and helping coupled with following the weather patterns Mm -hmm. um so i was looking at it was oklahoma and i think virginia yesterday were like twisters you know and weird weather patterns and things doubling back so i kind of get the people who are into the weather and their weather i didn't get it at first weather stations up on a mast and i was like oh that's interesting now i now I'm starting to understand why people are really passionate about weather. You know, I don't know about storm chasing myself, frankly. My kids are too young for me to go and chase a storm around, but I am I am following it. I'm following it. Mm-hmm. Did you ever get into weather, like, hardcore? Like, uh, you know, some people a, a are into it. Just, uh, yeah, I, you know, just kind of curious by nature yeah. of it, but uh, never hardcore my... My youngest daughter was really into it. Uh, she wanted to storm chase and things like that. And uh, that was kind of, you know, I thought it was cool. So uh, there's our friend Bill. Uh, weather services launched, Jeff. 75 He's balloons a day. My never, new best friend. Well, we've never had an aircraft impact. So that's probably true or never reported. But uh, there's chances are if there was an impact, it would be reported. But, uh, but uh, oh, well. Yeah, there's the... Uh, I, I do have a link on my on this machine back behind me, uh, the Lightning. Um, there's a couple of them. There's one out of Germany, I think it is. Uh, yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, I Lightning think we've shared Biz that one. Or Biz Light. That is a cool website. We shared that and, one. Yeah. Uh, 
that's one to uh, kind of keep a keep a watch. And yeah, a lot of people have the uh, Davis Pro and some of the others um, uh, weather stations at at their house. In fact, if you kind of go on to uh, APRS FI, uh, you'll see a lot of weather stations that are uh, kind of intermixed on the uh, on the website there too. So there's just average ordinary people just have their weather station. They got it hooked up to yeah. the, uh, the, the internet and, uh, there you go. So you can get some, I mean, there's, there's a few right here, not too far from me. And that's, yeah. uh, that's neat. Speaking of My weather, workers really into it. <laughs> I think sorry. it's fascinating. No, it's totally fine. It's, I, I think it's a fascinating thing. It's an important, there's a lot of weather that isn't reported on your local news. You know, there's a lot of things and warnings and stuff that we should probably hear about. And I'm not a complete, like a, an alarmist, but it's good to pay attention a little bit beyond what's happening on your local TV that needs to fit in 45 seconds so they can get to the car commercial, you know? So I, I got a little bit more of an eye. I'm, I appreciate the sites that are coming into the chat now too, that are saying, you know, check this one, but I'm really serious about putting together kind of a network of, people who are you know either follow the show or been with the show for a long time i know i can count on you up there in washington state we've got maryland and uh probably new jersey but it'll be interesting to kind of see we're putting some people in different places and 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 uh i'm working on something i'm cooking something up steve it's in the oven it's a little half you're always cooking you're, you're uh, a baker you're always baking gotta, something. gotta gotta feed the people uh, but yeah, and as interest yeah. interest change, you know, it's like okay, well, maybe we'll sprinkle a little bit of that in there, a little bit of Old Bay, a little bit more Old Bay, <laughs> scoop of Old Bay. All right, friends, this is the part I think that you've been waiting for. They 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 love when we get to talking to Steve. This is the part where we take uh, a few of your questions and we share them on the YouTube channel. We share those with you and. They come in, you can send them through email, you can send them uh, in the chat. We usually would pick those up tomorrow. Facebook is a great repository. Uh, you, mm-hmm. You've seen me uh, reference it a couple of times. Oh, there's one other thing. Did I keep it around or did I get I keep it around here. Now, I don't know about this, brother, personally. I did want to share this before the question, so sorry. I'm calling an audible at the line. I'm doing a little Eli Manning or whoever <laughs> your quarterback is. The Radio Society of Great Britain has uh, posted this. Um, about the death of uh, Prince Philip. He was a a supporter of the club there, of the Radio Society of Great Britain. Uh, So they have honored him today on their site. Um, Not a a ham radio operator himself, unless his military service required some kind of, I'm sure, radio work of him, but not a ham radio operator. But he says something wonderful here. And uh, he was at a place in, in 2017 there with uh, Great Britain Youth and says the skills involved in amateur radio are a valuable foundation for careers in science, technology, engineering, and math. So an endorsement coming out of, um, you know, the man who's married to the queen was very good for them, and they've honored him today on that page. Now, I don't, of course, know his history and he was 99 years old. What a life. And, and, and you know, everybody mm-hmm. says, well, you know, he said some inappropriate things. And I'm like, you know, he's 99 years old. I, I, I don't uh, trust somebody who's that old and doesn't say some off-the-cuff thing that's not quite politically correct or true or right all the time. But anyway, that's... Uh, yeah. I mean, come on, really? We've I mean, all said something stupid in our life. 
even today and where you come back and regret it so yeah we're not perfect that sort of gets coupled into his legacy there Mm -hmm. but the people there where he is and i don't know enough about uh prince philip apart from he was never the king because he was not in line to be the king just because you married the woman who became she she made him a prince but he was actually a prince i think from denmark and greece uh i guess i know a little bit more than i i i claim but you know more than me <laughs> i i don't know about him as a person right so i don't mm. I, but that's why he wasn't the king you know he just wasn't ever in line for that her father was the king and right. when he passed that's how she became uh, it, it's an interesting thing these monarchies are pretty wacky and it's everything america was set up to not be right america the early uh, uh, early pioneers and founding fathers didn't really want this uh, system so uh, but anyway it is a fascinating look uh, thank you for the sidebar andy yeah, says no he problem. was a great man and, uh, he was a great man yes, he was and rest in peace sir and uh he's uh, he almost made dxcc but we're, oh, we're rooting for our uh for our girl betty white betty you know, white she she's will gonna make dxcc so yeah <laughs> Oh, there's your um, there's your thing. Now we're getting we're getting kind of laid back. Once Steve gets here and we get rid of the guests that come through here, I feel an obligation to time with the, the other people. But now, yeah, Tom, this one that is a great site. That's Thanks, the team. site. That's the site. That's um, the site. For weather, that is so cool. Edwin's uh, 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 yelling at me about audio levels. Is this better for you, Edwin? <laughs> yeah, we doing better here now. Audio Lord. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know why. We've got some questions uh, each week. We take at least a few questions. We try not to keep you here too long, but appreciate you here. I'm in a rainy day, so I'm kind of dragging a little bit because uh, I enjoy spending time with y'all. First question. You ready, Steve? Bring it on. All right. Why is it better to have a ballon in a dipole, and what kind of ballon do we need, voltage or current ballon? Boy, they asked you well, the ones that you got to like. You, you, you could give a whole presentation on balance, right? Yeah, no <laughs> balance. Well, it's um, do we want to the balance is is a basically a transformer and it allows us to go from an imbalanced line, which our coax is, to a balanced antenna, which a, a dipole is. And uh, but the perp, the probably the biggest purpose of the balance is to reduce common mode currents which is uh which causes radiation along on our feed lines so uh, we want to reduce the rfi back in the day we didn't know anything about it we just threw up a ballon and or a dipole hooked our coax up to it and off we went but we were complaining you know god i got rf in the shack and this and that well that's that problem that uh is having the feed line re-radiate and so the ballon is there to isolate it that's uh and and we don't use it just in rf it's used in um audio where you have a uh an unbalanced versus a balanced it's a, like this particular microphone has a balanced output uh the xlr and um if you plug it into uh, you know and then you use an unbalanced microphone where you only have uh the the hot and then a shield and you plug it into a balanced input you can get hum and uh so the you know balance are used not just in rf now the type of balance you want to use for it for your dipole is the current balance because that's do, provides the choking effect that you want to 
keep the um, radiation from re-radiating on your on your coax because it uh, it will come back down and it'll RF floats on the surface when it goes up the coax the power is going up to your antenna the co- it's contained inside the coax when the standing waves are reflecting it back and it's coming down it's now on the shield on the outside and now it's re-radiating it so the current ballon is much better at ch- uh, choking that and handling a wider range of VSWRs the voltage ballon doesn't like that it uh, it's trying to counteract uh, with voltage and what ends up happening you got a phase shift which in turn creates the RF to uh, re-radiate onto your coax. But there is a benefit to the voltage balance, and uh, the Carolina Wyndham is one of them where you put a 4 to 1 volt voltage balance at the uh, feed point, and then you have a section of uh, coax, like 22 feet, for example, on a, on a um, 80 through 10, and then you throw another current ballon there in line to do the choking effect. So now you just keep that 22-foot section of coax as a uh, as a radiating element in the vertical plane versus the horizontal. So if you're going to pick a ballon, pick a current ballon. Go with the current ballon every time. It has lower loss. It's much better. The voltage ballon is uh, you want to stay away from in, in your standard ordinary um, dipole configuration OCF and trying to use vertical then then look at the uh, the voltage balance all right thank you for that we'll head into another question now outside of calling CQ how do I know if I'm reaching the repeater I'm trying to reach um you would um, you know a lot of people say just kerchunk it and what is kerchunk is where you just key it up real quick and then release it not a good practice. It's uh, kind of considered uh, uh, bad form. And um, if the repeater has a hang time where it the transmitter stays up for five seconds, uh, most of them do have that uh, hang time. So that you know that, hey, at least I activated the repeater. But the probably the best way of doing this, and in the repeater world, a lot of people on the VHF, UHF side, for some reason, they freak out when you call CQ on on repeaters. And the, the common accepted practice is just throw your call sign out and say monitoring. And that's similar to saying CQ. And uh, and as long as you hear the, uh, the hang time, at least you activate it. Now the question is, you don't know how well you are in, you're into it, but... If someone comes back, then they can tell you, yeah, you're full quieting or you're noisy or, but, uh, usually just throw out your call sign, uh, W7 UDI monitoring. And there you go. And usually somebody will come back or, I mean, if they don't want to, but you know, good answer, Steve. All right. Let's take a final. Well, before we go on the final one, another uh, thing that, uh, it, it always it, it kind of amuses me is that uh, one person will come up W7XYZ monitoring K7ABC monitoring right after the person is like okay why don't you just and then they start chatting <laughs> it's kind of like and I don't know if it's just uh, I'm monitoring <laughs> they're, they're too I'm monitoring and then they start talking what, what the ultimate goal is they got into a conversation and but it's uh, it's always kind of comical but it's uh you'll figure it out uh, every repeater kind of has their their little way of doing things and uh you know some places they get a little just uh, a little 
irritated if you use cue signals or anything else and they just but you know just go along and with what uh what works all right here's the next question what's the difference between a five by five signal report and q5 report and i think i get this sometimes we'll say you're five nine you're ten over mm -hmm. and then you'll hear people say q5 q5, q5. copy on you how do right. we explain yeah that? well it's the it's the quality and it's uh you know i understand your q5 i i pick everything five by five is your your quality is five your signal strength is s5 is five by five or, or five nine but uh uh, Q5 is basically saying, yeah, your quality is good, but I'm not giving you a signal strength. It's uh, uh, that is more appropriate on like a repeater. It's uh, because, you know, you uh, you're looking at the oh, I'm looking at my S meter and the repeater is, you know, 20 over. And uh, but it's always 20 over here at uh, mm -hmm. my location from talking to this particular repeater. So Q5 would would be definitely appropriate in a repeater uh application hf yeah you could say yeah you're q5 and but you're not telling you know you're just saying the quality is your audio sounds fine. great yet that might be you easier to say i, yeah, I understand great. you but you know you might be an s1 and uh but i still you know to me you're q5 got it so we've got power or signal strength mm -hmm. as opposed to quality got it quality yeah is five the top objective is is, yes. is that's the top okay one through five yeah. got it all right good that helped i had a part of part of that answer there it's good i was part of my question good good deal you can send your questions to me you can send it at christian at 100 com, or you could leave a comment here in the in today's show you could chat send it facebook's good twitter we're all over the place so you can drop it in there all right well good deal I think Excellent. we fooled him again. I think we fooled him again. See, thanks for everybody who came into the chat today. We've got some uh, DX. We've got the Netherlands. We've got Finland, right? Is it Finland or Norway? Where are you, Tim? A? 087 uh, is Finland. Uh, Norway? Norway. Uh, St. Petersburg. No. Where are you, Tim? A? Where, where are you? It's Norway or Finland. I get them twisted up, but it's good to see the, the DX because it's the evening there. They're drinking wine where we're oh, just yeah. here in the morning drinking beer. That's yeah, Nancy cool. cracked the bottle already, so. And they eat delicious food there. They'll tell us, where are you, Tame? Are you in uh, Finland or Norway? I gotta, I'm got. i going to go with Norway. A quarter on Norway, sir. Oh, 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 I want to share this with you, too, before it gets away. I uh, went to the uh, post office box this week, got some things. CQ would like me to um, re-up. It's time to uh, to pay up again. But a couple of QSL cards this week came in, and I want to thank... Kilo Bravo 9, November Bravo Echo. I don't know if you can see that. Nice folks there. Nice. It gets a little blurry. But what they sent me, Steve, was something really cool. And it's a piece of this flag. And I and they may do this all the time because I don't know Bonnie and Tom Moore here. They're in Illinois. But this is a part of an American flag that was flown in the U.S. It says, I can no longer fly since the sun and wind have caused me to become tattered and warn, please carry me as a reminder of the privilege that is yours to live in the great nation which I provided. I, I was privileged to fly over. And this is from uh, the is Vietnam Veterans of America, home of the brave, 
uh, because wow. of the brave. So they've sent me a piece of a flag that no longer flies, but remind me to carry it and to remember why it was flying. I thought that was that a really cool. sweet thing to say, send. Uh, so my thanks to, I don't know if Tom listens or we've just had a casual you know, contact here on uh, March 13th on 40 meters there, but uh, he thought enough to send me a piece of a flag. I think that's just cool. And yeah, the star. It's star. Exactly. Got the star. So I've been uh, carrying this. I got another QSL card I'll share with you too. This is cool. It's the... Uh, the Nickel Belt Amateur Radio Net. I guess I've checked in. It just says, ha- uh, have a nice day. Hope to hear you on the net. From Nickel Belt nice. Family. That's uh, Victor Alpha 3, Charlie, Romeo Echo, Raleigh. You're 5'9". <laughs> All right, friends. Well, thank you so much. Thank you so much. That's, that's just cool, right, Steve? Isn't that cool? Oh, that a little really piece cool. of the flag. Is... I'm a geek, but that's cool. Somebody cut the flag out that can't fly anymore neat well that's a great way of doing it because you know flags that have uh have flown in fact i got a stack here at the house and uh that fly on my flagpole and i replace them and i have them folded up and uh they need to be properly disposed of you know but this is another way of uh of you know disposing of it and uh, spreading it out that the flag is flown and that is just that's awesome Thank you to all our veterans. Uh, this came from the vet, uh, Vietnam Veterans of America, uh, home of the free because of the brave. The and brave. that's their chapter. They're on Facebook. So anyway, thank you so much. I thought that was such a neat, uh, thoughtful, thoughtful gift. That is cool. What else? Did we did we get it all? I think we had a, technically speaking, I think we, we did okay. We did better. Every little, each week I learn something new, so, and then I come away mm-hmm. with notes of things I got to figure out, but uh, for the most part. Yeah, now you got to go bang your head because of, you know. The oh, AI don't guys. say that. I'm scaring the kids. <laughs> I'm like, I'm just going to wear a hat now. I, uh, I I was removing a tree one time, and it was a pine, and it wasn't very tall at all, but it, you know, they've got all these things, and they're beautiful. I love pine. It, it, had, mm-hmm. it had died. It got some kind of bug thing, and I took it down. This was few years back on a like a Sunday morning and you know you're moving things and you're pulling things around and they get you sometimes this one got oh, me yeah. this week in the pine years ago caught my eye and I was just like s happens you know but I was like oh okay this is actually not good at all and nope but you know and I'm wearing glasses you, know, you got glasses and goggles but this this one came across the forehead so I felt like uh, something out of the WWF over the weekend. I did get that tree. <laughs> get me, I'll get you. But we'll, we'll, we will process all that wood and it'll be fine. Hope we back get to plug back second. in. Tomorrow we've got a net and uh, I hope to be plugged in for it. I don't know what the weather beyond today, but we got a, a rainy. Yep. Temay said, Temay, where are you at, man? I see you making fun of my hair. Wear a hard hat. For a hard head. <laughs> yes, sir. Yes, sir. Where are you, Norway? Are you Norway or uh, I, Finland? I think it's uh, Finland. Finland. We got to OH7. Yeah. Yep. So. We got to have that. Every ham must have our uh, have this item, a hard hat. We definitely mm-hmm. have hard heads, especially climbing. It's just uh, one thing. It just drives me nuts. Is guys don't wear hard hats or uh, 
or even the rock climbing helmets, it just uh, head protection because it's like, oh, I'm on the tower. It's like, you're going to bang your head on the tower. Trust and you're me, I've under me and I'm dropping this wrench. Yeah, definitely the people down below. But uh, even on the tower, it's uh, just wear some head protection. It doesn't cost that much and it's not that big of a deal. But yeah. there's a lot of people that don't... Uh, they they don't do that. I see pictures all the time, and it just kind of drives me a little on the nutty side. Mm-hmm. Don't These drive. Not wearing it, Uncle Steve. It's nutty. Like, uh, nope. He's uh, irritable at dinner, and he <laughs> will throw some stuff. You want a biscuit? I'll show you a biscuit. Biscuit. <laughs> Let me bounce this biscuit off yeah. your head. He's <laughs> skipping across the table. That's Uncle Steve. Don't get him upset. All right, 73, everybody. Thanks for coming by today. I hope you have a great weekend. Stay out of trouble and look after each other and yourselves. And by all means, if you can, please try and stay above the noise. 73. 73, y'all. To join the 100 Watts in a Wire community, visit 100wattsinawire.com.